three, two, one. All right, five red lights going out. Welcome to another episode of Zero Lift. Do not get away from that pedal. Keep your foot to Woo! it. I am your host, Ryan. I am joined by John. Got my drink, got my two-step. And Lenny. Live and direct from De Silva's closet. Perfect. <laughs> Out of the closet and into the gosh darn racetrack. Here we go. Tonight we're going to be talking about three particular oh, great, great things. Start. Well, you know, we got three sectors tonight, guys. And uh, I just drove all day across South Dakota during Sturge's week weekend. I'm not really sure. There's just a lot of Harleys and, and – uh, it's kind of wild, man. I cannot, I cannot complain about that. Uh, anything exciting going on racing wise for you guys, John? I know you just got all your stuff delivered. Yeah, I got a big ass truck with all of my things on it, and uh, my house is a disaster. And uh, you know, I, I live in my own personal hell, prison of boxes, uh, mostly car parts. And uh, that's pretty much, you know, I took some time out to make fun of you guys, and, I, and that's pretty much what I got going on. That's the important part. Lenny, what about you? Uh, not much. I took the day off. Took the GTR for a cruise down mm. to Sacramento. Mm. That sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. the, the climax of my day. Just cruising around. You've had to use that word. Hey, you know, I was watching Letter Kenny, and that's a, that show is really good at overemphasizing a particular word choice. For sure. Letterkenny is one of the greatest shows ever made. It's fantastic. I love it. It was the episode uh, where they're talking about moist and then they were they just kept going on it and uh, it was moist. Phenomenal. Yeah. Moist. Good good stuff. So if this was a, a Letterkenny podcast, we'd be right on topic. But we're talking about motorsports. And uh, tonight we're going to be talking about what got us into cars slash racing induction types because I have no idea as the, uh, you know, car noob of this show and of course we're going to play guess that car john's hopefully something that is not a red herring of bond villain type of vehicles this right week. So completely sending us in the I wrong direction again don't know how the most iconic british sports car of all time is a red herring but you know whatever the most iconic British saying, car of all time is the McLaren F1, it was, right yeah it was saying it was in a bond movie or that bond drove it was the red herring yeah, I think so. I was think there John a movie was just wrong. With a guy named Bond that drove it. <laughs> anyway. I think John anyway. anyway. So besides the fact that John was a little off topic, hopefully he can narrow us down better with his choices when we get to sector three. Starting off though in sector one, we're gonna talk about what got us into cars of racing. And uh Lenny, you seem to be prepared for this better than John and I. Uh so what <laughs> <laughs> what got you into cars and racing, my dude? Uh, well, that's kind of a weird introduction to put me on the spot with, but I'll hey, take it. What? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I guess it goes back to family. It was the best Q, of times. It was the worst wow. of times. Wow. Are we Q, in a Q, Dom, Q Dom Toretto. Right. We're, goes we're back to family. <laughs> you, can't, you can't turn your back on family, guys. You right. cannot. Uh, so long story short, I'm of Brazilian heritage, and growing up, I used to spend uh, some, some so months. Senna's your goat. Okay. Yeah, Senna's the goat. Yeah, uh, I spent I spent a lot of time in Brazil, and so uh, during the F1 season, me and my cousins would 
uh, wake up early on Sundays to watch F1. And this was uh, just right after Senna had died. So, uh, 94, 95. 94, you know, 95, particularly uh, the rise of Shumi. Uh, from there, Damien after Damien Hill and all of that. Uh, then also on Saturdays, we would actually watch uh, the Japanese GT uh, championship series uh, through a program called Autosport uh, that was played on Global TV on the B- Brazilian TV network. And so that's where I got my exposure to Japanese cars, just to put that okay. together into why I love the GTR so much. It's because at the same time, the GTR was very prevalent in that series. And so I, wa- I watched it win a, a bunch of races. And so that, that really stuck with me throughout the years. And then, you know, uh, more so forth on, uh, I got into some GT racing from there. Uh, I really liked the development of the Corvette racing team. Do you guys familiar with that? You wouldn't happen I am... to be talking about the C5R and how it dominated Le Mans back in the day, would you? Yes, no, maybe so. Anybody? Well, so I'm not familiar uh, with the Corvette, but John, I'm guessing you're ballparking the Le Mans. Uh, that makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, the C5R, yeah, with Le Mans and the, uh, then the American Le Mans series there. That's exactly. That like, you're right, right on the money there, John. Daytona or your 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 extended silence made me wonder if I said something stupid. I, I was hyperventilating for a moment. There was a little <laughs> bit of a mic disconnection there. <laughs> ah, that's what it is. No, I mean the 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 C5R was like the American return to form in terms of uh, you know not being a piece of crap and like actually taking it to the Europeans and the Japanese in terms of circuit racing. Yeah. Cause doesn't, is isn't in even current times like IMSA Corvettes are basically competing with the Toyotas. That sort yeah. of level. Uh, yeah, there was uh, at the IMSA level, there was the 300 ZX with the, the Corvettes and also the Vipers as the prototype there. And GT Racing, which was a precursor to the Le Mans series and American Le Mans that it later raced in to kind of that the IMSA uh, kind of grew into the American Le Mans series uh, from the 90s to the early 2000s. So that product development, that racing pedigree kind of uh, bled through the series, if you will. Well, and uh, uh, yeah, American cars went through kind of a dark time, right? Like you have the the story, like Ford versus Ferrari and the GT40 and stuff, and like David and Goliath and the British Touring Car Series and stuff. And uh, then Australia was very much influenced by like American V8s. And so like there is this kind of like Americans were in the space for sports car racing. And then after the oil crisis and stuff in the 70s, um, it was kind of just drag racing and there wasn't a lot of American representation in races. Involving, well, in races involving corners. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what about NASCAR? NASCAR's corners. There's just four of them. That's a different ball yeah. game, though, man. Kind it's of yeah. a different kind of racing. Yeah. Which I kind of, I kind of got into, uh, you know, around the same time in the 2004, 2005 uh, years. Uh, there was a stint where I was really following. NASCAR was right after uh, Darth Vader, Dale Earnhardt Sr. After his crash, uh, I kind of got into NASCAR a little bit and followed it for a while. Uh, So that's that's something that I found interesting. Like uh, I liked it at the time for the crashes, but looking back on it now, like (laughs) the speed is probably what uh, blew me away at the time the most like they were I mean, they were sustained at like 200 miles an hour around those old nascar emphasizes our podcast name zero in. <laughs> right to, not mean, not not to play the whole like naming the movie drop within the movie type of crap here but roll like credits NASCAR, <laughs> <laughs> i mean nascar literally is zero lift I mean, yeah i, I and that's, yeah honestly that that's probably what attracted me a lot to it as well yeah thinking back on it I'm not going to disparage NASCAR. I'm not a fan. However, like I've done oval racing in like super carts and stuff. That is, it's hard. It's really hard. And and you wouldn't appreciate how hard it is until you do it. But uh, it's just not super exciting to watch. Well, and a lot of even indie guys like Roman Grosjean coming over from F1 was very trepidatious going into the ovals versus the normal circuits that he's used to. Now, he just did a uh, test run of an oval uh, last week, which is pretty cool. But, I mean, it, it's a totally different ballgame. I don't, I don't disagree is. at all. It really is, and it's a lot harder than it looks. If anybody so – like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's even doing it in, in the sim. It is a different type of game and concentration. So, like, Lenny, what keeps you, like, you know, non-lifted from the pedal in the current times? What keeps you going with current racing and car stuff? What's, like, your daily keeps you going? Right now, it's uh, this F1 game that I that you told you, – you got me to pick up that, <laughs> that we're all waiting for John to pick up. I don't know right. what you're talking about. John currently has uh, zeros on all his lap times. Just fucking do it, man. All right, yeah. look, I'm going to do it. I For everybody listening, I have a horrendously expensive and Gucci sim rig. And I'm normally in the camp of no VR, no buy. These guys have shamed me into buying F1 and playing it on a plebeian poor person monitor. Sure. So I guess I'll. I've seen your wraparound. One of us. One of us. Hold on. Hey, John, I have to to wonder how big are your tires and how big is your exhaust? I'm just wondering for the sake of. What are you talking about? You know, just you've got uh, you got your Gucci stuff, and you got to make up for something. So, how big are your tires and your exhaust? Just on just on my GTR, or like what? <laughs> I, I, I know I know where you're yeah. going with this. I'm just not going to entertain your childish <laughs> attempt so, at so, humor. Okay, well, besides the fact that I have a childish attempt for humor, uh, Lenny, that is thank you for sharing your phenomenal family uh fast and furious start to uh just keeping it going by basically hanging out with friends so we go from family to friends and what keeps you going and that's kind of what this podcast is about too is just a bunch of friends bsing about racing so john yes. what about you what got you into cars and racing what where did it start for you so 
my motivation to get into the sport and for all you haters out there, it's a sport. Uh, my motivation to get into motorsports was very different than Lenny's. And I will say I am an irresponsible racing enthusiast in that I'm really bad at following series. And like, I will like hop in for a season and be all over it. And then I'll forget about it for like five years and then come back and get interested in a series again. Like I haven't followed F1 very well until like probably last season and this season. Uh, I used to be all over MotoGP. Anyway, um, I thought cars were kind of cool. And when I was a kid, I really, really wanted to be a fighter pilot in the military. I'm talking like five years old type dream stuff. And um, my mom married... There's nobody in my family that has any mechanical aptitude whatsoever. My mom got married to my stepdad and he was a muscle car guy. Right. And he knew how to build engines and stuff. And I was like, I was like, I want to drink from the fire hose. Teach me. And um, so I started out working on old cars with him. We had a couple C3 Corvettes um, in one of which we swapped the 350 out and built a 400 small block. And then when that blew, we swapped a 454 in it. Um, and so like from a pretty young age, I got used to what the inside of an engine looked like and how to install pistons and measure end gap and all that stuff. Um, and so that kind of gave me a, uh, I was attracted to like, you know, mechanical side of things. Uh, I come from a pretty poor family and, you know, like nobody was going to buy me a car or anything, but that was, you know, I'm working on cars and I'm like 14 and I'm like, okay, well, when I turn 16, I got to get a friggin' car. And so I just got, you know, little jobs and worked my face off and stuff. And, um, I don't know why, but I've always been interested in weird stuff. I've, I've never liked, you know, when I was a kid, it was never like, Ooh, I'm going to get a Camaro or a Mustang and do that. I had to get something weird. So, um, you know, at first I bought like a $200 beater that was half rusted through and stuff. And I drove that to get to work for a while. And then as soon as I saved up enough money, I got a 92 Ford Taurus SHO with a five speed car was sick, but it was weird. It was super weird. It was hard to work on. It was hard to make power with. Um, but you know, that got me driving back roads and going fast and blah, blah, blah. And then my boss at the time was really into sport bikes and I knew nobody that rode motorcycles and I saw him riding that. And I was like, I am looking at an engine build for this SHO and the amount of money I'm going to spend on this to get, you know, 50 horsepower out of this engine. I could just go out and buy a sport bike. <laughs> um, and of course my family hated that idea. So when I turned 18, the first thing I did was I went out and bought a motorcycle. Ryan, we took an Epic road trip from, Omaha, Nebraska, all the way out to oh, Montana yeah. to pick up that bike. Um, <laughs> what a trip it was. It was pretty awesome. Uh, if you've never been to the Badlands, you need to go. It's one of I'm the there currently. It's yeah, beautiful. I'm so jealous. It's on, it's on the list of things to, to check out for me. I'm 20 minutes away from Mount Rushmore. But I, that is not the cool part of this area. There are the, way better spots. The Badlands, in my opinion, doo-doo's all over Mount Rushmore. No it's, disrespect to Mount Rushmore, but like the Badlands is just a sight to behold. Earth makes better things than humans. Yeah. Um, 
But anyway, you know, one of the nice things about bikes, especially versus cars, especially when you're talking about cars from that era, is, dude, a bike off the showroom is pretty much good to go. Like, you can go to the track and rip laps all day, and the bike don't care, whereas cars tend to break. Um, so I got into I, – I don't know what did it, but I was like, I want to go around a track, and I don't want to take my car, and this bike is faster anyway, and it's dope, and – I got really in to like the motorcycle track day and race scene in Kansas city. And I was going to the track and I was, dude, I was 18. I was broke. I would ride to the track like two hours in my leathers with a backpack and like some tools in it, ride the track all day. A couple times I got heat exhaustion, like pulled over at a gas station, vomited in the trash can trying to get home. Like, Damn. Yeah. But that's it was freaking, yeah hardcore man i was completely on my own man and, and uh but like I, it was just this i don't know there's something about take there's something about i think anybody that's into this hobby like there's something about taking a vehicle out and going really fast that like it it's like almost a spiritual experience it talks to you like the, the vehicle talks to you it has like a personality and like it, you know you just feel a certain way and like it, it was I, you know, I've never done heroin, but when I hear people talk about the first time they do heroin, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like my first track day. Um, <laughs> it is quite euphoric. Yeah. yeah. I and, mean, a dopamine rush is a dopamine rush, man, for sure. Yeah, and that's what kept me going <laughs> through all that crap. Uh, I tried to get into amateur racing, and I realized very quickly after a couple of race weekends that, you know, you think like, oh, I've got a suit and I've got nice tires and I've got a bike. I could just race it. I've already spent this money. No, racing versus track days is, you know, you're going to triple the cost again. And track days are already very expensive. Um, and I was in college at the time. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I stopped racing um, and, you know, kept playing with cars. It, yeah, it, it, I was I was bit by the bug at that point. Um, and so I, I guess kind of from there, the rest is history. You just you have that experience and you can't like if, even now, if I go a few weeks without driving or riding something in anger, I start like getting the twitches. Like, I'm like, uh, yeah. I got to go to a cart track or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what got me. I'm, I'm, I'm baiting that feeling right now and it's getting harder. <laughs> I went, I went on a, on a good drive a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks, two months ago, almost now. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get the itch for it again, so much so that I drove the GTR today down to Sacramento to get race fuel. That cost me $100. <laughs> You've got drove, to tune that thing, dude. I know. And I'm, I'm, calling, I'm calling the tuning shop. I've, I've made up my mind where I'm going to tune it. It's a place up in Washington. It's called UP Garage. So be on the lookout for that. Okay. Uh, probably, you know, just the. Link G4 ECU and retune for now. I, I do have the Hypertune Plenum and the Nike, the Napric ITBs uh, that I could throw on there, but that's just too much to do right now. I just want to tune, be able to drive in California without like being hunting for, you know, race fuel at the pump or yeah. with a bunch of jerry cans in the back. For those of you that don't know, Lenny has a GTR that was tuned by Top Secret in Japan, and Japan runs nominally higher octane than the United States. So when he imported it, he's worried about blowing his engine, running it on pump fuel in the States, and we need him to retune his car and stop paying too much for race fuel. Makes <laughs> right. sense. Makes sense. 
At this point, I've spent like uh, six hundred dollars in race fuel in the eight months that <laughs> I've had the car. Yeesh. And like realistically speaking, I could retune the car for like two thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, smart choice there. Um, it's I I I didn't I couldn't figure out who I wanted to retune it. Like, just going going up to a random car shop and be like, hey. I want you to retune my, you know, 30-year-old Nissan that I just imported from Japan. Like, have at it. Kind of have to be a little selective. Yep. Yep. I've, yeah. I, I've gotten bad tunes. <laughs> right. And I, I've heard the nightmares of John and his experiences. Oh, on man. The East Coast. That, yeah, we'll have an episode about that. <laughs> and I'd really like to, I'm kind of got to like to avoid all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. The thing is, the first time I, I've already contacted this this tuner shop once up in in uh, Washington, I will just call them Up Garage because because that's really what it is. Right. It's just U dot P Garage. Anyway, like I, I called them and uh, it was maybe last year. I didn't have the car yet, but I was just like anticipating getting a retune anyway, and I just wanted to hear from them. And I was like, Hey, listen, I'm importing this. GTR uh, from Japan. I've had it in GTR in in Japan, GTR land, for ten years. You know, so I'm just really looking for a retune uh, with a link. You know, G4. I've heard that you know you guys are really familiar with it. He's like, oh, cool, yeah. Give me your email address, uh, and you know, I'll send you what we you know what you know when you're send you our schedule, and we'll we'll figure something out. Sends me like their one, stage one, two, three, engine rebuild package list, right? Like just the almost like you didn't even uh, like listen to anything I said. So it kind of turned me off, right? Like, okay, mm. dude, like I'm not like I I get it. Like I didn't say that my engine was tuned by Top Secret or that it was modified or this or that. Like it was a very pl- preliminary phone call. I was just, but like. I thought I was p- pretty clear, like, hey, I'm just looking for a retune, leak G4, can you hook it up before the end of the year, or, you know, whatever, and he's like, yeah, sure, other than that, and so I kind of was hesitant to contact him again, so we'll see how this second time goes. Hey, guy. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, like, listen, I got a modified, like, I'm just gonna dump, I'm just gonna have to dump all of it, right? Or should I take the more mild approach? What do you guys think? What do you mean, like, dump all of it like like just say like hey listen i have a modified really modified engine and yada 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 and go into the depths from the get yeah no or... you, should, you should tell him what it's got and be like i specifically want an ecu and a tune right there might be some wiring work involved with it but there's you don't you're not trying to like you're not changing any fundamental components right you know, and I, you've already got a 550. I, I guess what engine. I'm trying to say, is I'm trying to avoid him just sending me a stage one, stage two, stage three build kit, like email again. Like, yeah, no, I, I, I would tell him that. Like, you've got a 550 horsepower engine. That if it's probably going to make 20 or 30 less power than what you're making now, because, you know, lower octane, right? So, like, right. So you, you're not, you know, it's not like you need to do anything with the fuel system or the, Mass airflow, blah 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 blah. Right, it's like, pretty straightforward, right? Right. You, you should be like, hey, this is you know whatever wiring crap you got to do to make it plug and play, and then tune this bad boy. Word. I would budget 
you know what the link is probably 1500 to two grand the tune's probably a grand like you know it's gonna be probably link, link to four is 1400 bucks right now yeah i would budget three grand right yes. 1500 probably you know depending on the shop 500 to a thousand for the tune and then 500 bucks for just miscellaneous bs that always comes up word yeah you're right what you got huh? ryan well, <laughs> uh, what you guys know down the tuning GTR, a uh, little bit of context there. So, uh, keeping on track here, uh, back to uh, sector one, talking about uh, myself and what got me into cars and racing. Um, so, for me, starting out as a wee lad, um, I guess I really kind of I've always been in the camp of being a nerd and kind of being very anti certain things like jocks and things like that. And cars kind of as growing up, I kind of thought that was kind of the case for me. Although I did really enjoy watching Top Gear. And I enjoyed uh, when I got my first car, which uh, which was a Mitsubishi Galant back in the 90s. Um, VR4, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. I really, you know, that car was great. Um, and I really, for me, it was not a matter of what is under the hood. Cause I don't even know what you just said. Like that stuff didn't matter to me. Like for me, it wasn't about what's under the hood or anything. It was the experience of driving and that freedom that I earned getting away from my house and that freedom of just like exploring around my town and really opening up what my experience of like reality was like that really for me like more than anything is what driving in a car was and what made a big difference to me like i really enjoy trying to find the cool spots around omaha because i live in nebraska and it's a flyover state it's flat but there are cool hills and valleys and bluffs and forests and like i live next to the missouri river and you can really explore those things i really that's what did it for me. It wasn't necessarily what the car was. It was the experience that driving gave me. Um, and then I grew up watching Top Gear and like, I wasn't really a car guy. I didn't understand half the things they were saying, but that whole like, oh, that's a cool looking car or that goes really fast. I can't really speak that language, but it's still really neat, really kind of kept with me. Um, and then as I grew up, I, I really never lost that experience of like, loving driving i just loved road trips i loved listening to music and driving with the windows down and just like that that to me more than anything was what cars were now recently <clears throat> more than anything a i got a job in which i drive for a living which is phenomenal and i get new rentals all the time and b we went through this wonderful experience together as humanity called COVID 19 and uh, most of the way through it, I reached out to my good buddy, John, and I said, hey, I want to get into F1. And he said, you should check out Drive to Survive on Netflix. And so I did because we had nothing else to do during the pandemic. I enjoyed it, and I really got into F1 and started watching it. So um, if anything, John mentioned before, how he doesn't stick with series. Well, now he's sticking with F1 because I bugged him about it literally all of the time. Facts. Constantly. I just want to point out, can we at Liberty Media right there at that point in the episode? Yeah. 
I think so. I mean, Liberty that, Media is that is exactly job. what they were looking for in Netflix. Can we get some sponsorship right there? Yeah, Please, yeah. Thank Daddy, you. I mean, Daddy just real. wants a taste. Daddy just wants Look, a taste. <laughs> Eccleston, Eccleston did a phenomenal job for a long, long time doing TV contracts, but this is 2021, baby. Let's get with it, Netflix and chill. So basically, I really enjoyed Drive to Survive. Now, as I become a more phenomenally expert. Thousand hours, but so more humble. time invested in F one. Now I'm not. I'm, I'm listen. I'm not ten thousand hours yet by any means, but I mean I've listened to Mark Weber's book. I've listened to Jensen Bunsen's book. I've listened to to um, uh, multiple F one books, and and it, I've gotten more invested. Drives is a series. It is. <laughs> It'll get you in and get you hooked, but it is not the real deal F one by any means. And it's it's kind sure. of a meme within the F one community. Now, besides getting into F1 and, and really enjoying that, I also ended up getting a sim rig because I, I, I was playing F1 and doing it on the controller, and I, I got a sim rig. And I, for me, I came from a background of video games. And really what interested me in F1 was that this, this like, video game experience to real life, like, how they connect, the synergy, there is nothing more synergetic than gaming and racing. There isn't. And so, like, for me, my daily drive, like, I asked you, any. I literally get on because I want to cut my deltas down. Not only you, but also because like I want to better myself. And and there really isn't anything else like that. Racing is hard, but like it's enjoyable because you're getting better at that experience. So as a guy oh, yeah. who's completely like, you know, grew up not really like I grew up with John, by the way, for 20 plus years watching this guy work on cars and like I enjoyed it and it was cool to me, but I never understood the language to now learning how to understand the language. But like as a gamer in real life, that's what does it for me. Like I drive for a living and I'm like, how can I cut my Delta down here? Oh, if I go this route or, Oh, I know that's going to take me longer, but it's going to be that experience that I talked about before where it's like, I can take this highway instead of the interstate and I'll see cool stuff because I live in Nebraska or I'm driving through South Dakota or Iowa Right. I got to <laughs> I'm in the Midwest, guys. I got to like dig for my cool off scenic routes here when driving. I'm always trying to be Google Maps, man. Right. Always. Right. And I always like, do. I have a 95 percent. Either I'm trying to beat the Delta or I'm trying to find cooler routes than what Google's telling me. And so, like, that's what really drew me into cars and racing is that every day as Americans and internationally for sure as well. But American culture is cars. And like we all drive them every day why don't we get more invested in something we do instead of just like eating a basic, uh, you know, meal every single day and MRE every single day, let's enjoy the flavor of what our vehicle does. And that's kind of where I'm at, man. That's what drove me to start this podcast and is investing me in cars and racing to this day is like, let's add some flavor to something we all do every single day. You know, that's a beautiful thought. And that's something that I think I glossed over a little bit too much when I was talking about what got me into it, because driving and riding and i you know anybody that knows me knows i have way too many hobbies every hobby i do is meditative to me in the sense of i am pursuing self-perfection and i'll probably never get there but no we, we can't yeah but like you said like every time i drive i'm getting better or i'm trying to at least and right. me myself, I'm I'm a late bloomer kind of. I didn't really start driving or really start wrenching on cars until I uh, joined the army and I had that kind of money to do it yeah. myself. That was 
20 years old, 20. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it, it doesn't matter when you find it, that racing bug or wanting to get into cars more, will find you sometime. And, uh, and if that's the case, don't lift off a pedal. All right. <laughs> so speaking about another thing about keeping things, uh, to the track here, let's talk about how, and I was confused and I, I really got off track trying to talk about this with John off, uh, off, off the pod here, but induction types, how does your vehicle breathe basically? Right. So from my understanding, there is naturally aspirated, there is turbo and there is supercharged. And I have no idea what the difference is. One of them makes your car go faster. I, I don't really know here. So like, let's, let's break it down and give, those like me that don't really understand the wrenching part of cars and just enjoy the experience. What is have your car be turboed or supercharged? All Why right. is that important? Before we get into turbos and super superchargers and you know, I'll, I'll probably let Lenny start that discussion, but as the resident nerd, um, let's talk about natural aspiration. Okay. So a naturally aspirated engine is an engine that does not have a power adder like a turbo or supercharger. So, basic auto cycle of an engine four stroke there's others but right suck squeeze bang blow you're not talking about my sex life you're talking about how an engine ingests <laughs> air and fuel um and makes power so basically what happens is the engine ingests air fuel is metered into the engine along with that air that mixes the engine compresses that mixture right it puts it under an immense amount of pressure a spark goes off it causes that mixture to explode that pushes the piston down that spins the crankshaft that spinning moment is transmitted through the crankshaft through the transmission and that same spinning moment is then transferred to the wheels that makes the wheels turn that air and fuel mixture after it is exploded it is now a useless gas that is exhausted out of the engine and makes cool noises <laughs> right so you know when we say we're turning power right when we say we're turning dinosaurs into noise that's literally what we're doing these ancient fossil fuels are getting turned into noise um that spins a shaft that spins your tires uh now we're going to talk about induction types for a naturally aspirated engine, like the an engine... supercharger. Well, hold on a second. We're not there yet. We're talking about natural aspiration still. Uh, nope. What happens is an engine is an air pump, right? And it's, and it's airtight and it actually runs under vacuum. And what that means is it's sucking in, right? If you put, you know, like, like you ever like sucked on a straw and put your finger over the other end of the straw and you feel it sucking on your skin. That's literally what an engine is doing. The, the, Pistons come down when the intake valve opens, and that sucks air and fuel inside the engine. Okay. The pressure of the air and fuel mixture before it is compressed is atmospheric pressure. Right. Atmospheric pressure being how heavy the air above you, right, up into space is on your shoulders, which the standard for that is 14.7 psi. Okay, so at full throttle, a naturally aspirated engine 
is ingesting air at 14.7 PSI. That is also known as one atmosphere or one bar. Right. If you're going to get into forced induction, right. And that's just what it's sucking in under its own power, under its own movement of the piston. That's what natural aspiration is. When you talk about forced induction, you have to have a basic understanding of displacement of an engine. And the displacement of an engine is the swept volume. So the piston from the top to the bottom of all the cylinders added up, right? How much fucking water you could pour. Sorry, excuse my language. Uh, how much water you could pour in that cylinder from the top to the bottom, what that volume would be. Okay. So what we understand here is that a five liter engine, usually a V8 in that case for that size, piston from the top to the bottom, all eight pistons added up. That is five liters of fluid or gas or whatever. And that is five liters at 14.7 PSI. So now when we add a power adder, and I'll let Lenny maybe talk about some of the basic differences between power adders, what is actually happening is you attach an additional pump to the engine that force feeds air into the engine, not unlike, you know, a gravage in the way they force feed ducks stuff to make foie gras, right? Like you're, you're just jamming food down the engine's stomach faster and harder than it would normally eat. And so the idea is any, any, that creates a positive pressure inside the intake tract. And that positive pressure is referred to as boost. So basically what you're doing is if you're creating 14.7 PSI of boost, also known as two atmospheres, because you have 14.7 PSI of natural air pressure, and then an additional 14.7 PSI of boost, now the engine is ingesting two atmospheres and theoretically speaking, your five liter engine is now behave. It's ingesting the same amount of air and fuel and behaving like a 10 liter engine. You have effectively doubled the displacement of your engine through atmospheric pressure. Very scientific. But before we go on, do you have any questions, Ryan? Have we lost him? Is he dead? crickets crickets well <clears throat> i am i'm tracking <laughs> mike check ryan so Go john ahead. yes sir I, I guess are you are, are you done with your natural your na uh, i am done lecture? with my na lecture and i hope sure. Should Our we dive into back. like the differences between uh, these power adders, superchargers, and turbochargers specifically, and their yeah technicalities? I've, al- or... I've alluded, I've alluded to what they're doing, but not how they do it. Right, and so I know that turbochargers are forced air, exhaust gases through piping cooling and then being forced back into the intake uh and regulated that way but i'm not really too keen on superchargers myself um i don't have much experience can you dive into that a little bit um yeah so so i know there's there's two different types essentially two different types of superchargers sort of belt driven or centrifugal 
Well, they're both right? so so they're both belt driven. So the so the difference. Oh, okay. So the difference between a supercharger and a turbocharger. Yeah, talk to me like a novice because I really don't. Right. I really don't. I really don't know. So a centrifugal supercharger and a turbocharger actually have a very similar compressor section, and that's why centrifugal superchargers kind of look like a turbocharger. Right. right. I've um, seen that. Yeah. And that is also known as a non-positive displacement model. So. What that means is that it does not have a fixed volume of air that it is forcing into the engine at a get at you know, like per rotation. Okay. Okay. So the the fact that it's turbocharger is non-positive displacement is why turbos have spool up and lag. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the efficiency right. curve of a turbocharger is exponential. So. At low RPM, a turbocharger will not generate much airflow at all. And then the blade design is such that as it spins up, it gets exponentially more and more and more. And it, from a purely theoretical standpoint, it will actually go to infinity, which is why you need a wastegate to purge excess exhaust gas so the turbocharger doesn't just spin to the moon. Um, Got it. It's kind of similar to like the, you know, the way they talk about like a nuclear explosion and having to contain the reaction, um, at least in my mind. But anyway, the difference between a turbocharger and a supercharger, fundamentally, like they do the same thing. The difference is how the, how the blade... How they, they apply it, yeah, right. No, how it's spun, like what causes it to spin. A turbocharger has a turbine that is spun from exhaust gas. So your air and fuel goes kaboom, it gets kicked out of the engine, and on its way out, it passes by a turbine... Right. Not unlike the way a dam makes p- power with water. Um, mm-hmm. It spins that turbine. That turbine is connected via a shaft through to the compressor section. And that turbine thereby spins the compressor. And that compressor sucks air in and forces it in. So it's driven off the exhaust. A supercharger, by contrast, is driven. There's nothing in the exhaust. It has one. It doesn't have a turbine and a compressor section. It just has a compressor up front. And it is turned off of a belt off the engine. Okay. There are positives and negatives to this. Right. Um, on the positive side of things, uh, the RPM of a supercharger is linear, not exponential. Which means if an engine tops out at 8,000 RPM and you're turning 2,000 RPM, the supercharger is turning at a quarter of its RPM. In a turbocharger, that might not be the case. It might be turning at 5% of its RPM that low. And then, like I said, it will be an exponential scale. And, you know, when we call a turbocharger spooled up, it's essentially at full RPM. Which is why all those. So I, I now I understand why those supercharged guys always talk about pulling, putting little pulleys on their uh, superchargers to kind of get that uh, RPM a little bit. More right. responsive, right? Well, right. So the difference the difference is that a turbocharger is going to hit full RPM probably in the middle of your engine's RPM range, about 4,000 RPM or so, give or take. And a supercharger is going to hit full RPM at redline. Hmm. So what does that mean? That means in terms of ultimate efficiency, a turbocharger is going to poo-poo all over a supercharger because it's going to reach peak efficiency, peak work, very early in the process and it's going to hold it there over the rpm range it's also being powered by a waste gas 
driven um, process, right? Like, like it's it, energy is spinning it that would otherwise just go out the tailpipe and do nothing. Right. Um, and that energy is building upon the waste gas of previous well, boost. And well, yeah, yada, it's, yada, it's yada, being right. repurposed instead of wasted. Right. Whereas a supercharger is using new energy is, is sapping. It's like an additional air conditioning pump on steroids, right? It's an additional accessory on the engine that is sapping power. Um, it's only going to heat hit peak efficiency at redline, not before, but it has benefits to low end torque because before the super or before the turbocharger reaches spool RPM, it's RP the RPM of the turbo spinning in the exhaust stream is very low and it's not doing anything. It's, it's, it's actually hurting you. It's hurting your exhaust efficiency. Um, whereas supercharger it's connected by a belt like this train's rolling son you're going to turn um so a supercharger can generate a lot more torque at low rpms because it's going to turn period i don't care right. what your what your exhaust energy is i don't care how fast your exhaust is moving that supercharger is going to turn so that's why you see it in a lot of like like american sports cars with big v8s and like they're all about torque and you can miss a gear. You can be in the wrong gear. Car don't care. Car's still going to go fast. Um, <laughs> Are there but, some people if it's a Mustang? Right. Exactly. But. Because <laughs> traction's an issue. If you're trying to make like a pinnacle performance engine, and that's why you see a lot of guys that were supercharged eventually swap over to turbocharging. Um, because a turbocharger is more efficient and it has an, a higher ultimate power potential and all right so uh i'm here in south dakota with sturges and apparently i had a wee bit of a wi-fi problem because there are so many people and uh i could hear the conversation that john and Leonard were having which was phenomenal for those of you that didn't understand aspiration or uh intake is that correct induction i believe is the induction. word induction Ah, thank you. So, see, I'm the super nerd. Yeah. Lenny, thank you for trying to uh, fill in and be the noob for me while I was apparently <laughs> having issues. Uh, Ryan was too busy cranking the hog. Yeah, and uh, apparently there's a lot of harvest up here. No distant on those. I don't want to isolate that uh, thing. If you want to, again, find that pleasure in cruising and riding, go be you, man. Go be you. That's what I'm but, here for. I'll diss on Harleys. That's, that's... So, uh, <laughs> hey, man, just love the ride. So, my big thing is that... Um, the, the main question I had was like, how, how is it that the turbo gets the air? Because the supercharge from the way you're describing it gets it at the back end after the engine has done what it wants to do with the nasty of the actual like air and then uses that air to recycle it back in. No, So where did... no. Okay. See, there's the noob question. So okay. first of all, first of all, you confuse super and turbochargers. Turbochargers use exhaust air. Superchargers are run off of a belt. They're run off the engine. Okay. Second, so, it is not recycling okay. anything. That that air is useless. That air is inert. It has burnt off its fuel. It is only good for killing yourself in your garage uh, ah. from carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, okay. However, when that air comes out of the engine, it is very hot. It is, you know, so it transfers heat to power. Basically, yes. So it's roughly, you know, fifteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Um, 
when it comes out of the engine and it is moving. It's moving very quickly, right? Because it's pressurized. The exhaust valve opens. What does gas do when it's pressurized and it sees a hole? It expands. So it's moving fast. Under in a normally naturally aspirated engine or supercharged engine, that would just go out of the exhaust pipe and just leave. Goodbye. See you later. And burn a yeah. hole in the ozone layer. And that's all it does. Okay. In a turbocharger, we stick a wheel, a turbine wheel, in the flow of the exhaust. And as the exhaust goes by the wheel, it spins it just like a dam. Interesting. Okay, so that's okay. turbo. And then supercharged uses a belt, like the belt drive system on the front of the engine. Exactly like your alternator, your air conditioning, your power steering yep. pump, yep. any of okay. that stuff. It uses a gangster belt. It's way bigger, um, but it uses a belt and it spins. So with the turbocharger, that turbine- Is it a separate belt? Yeah, it's its own belt. Okay. But a turbocharger, it, that turbine that's in the exhaust flow, the exhaust still leaves and goes out the back of the car. It just spins the turbine first. And that turbine is connected via a shaft to the compressor, which is that, you know, if you look up a picture of a turbocharger, it's got that little hairdryer looking thing. That, those blades are the compressor blades. The supercharger also has compressor blades. It's just those blades, instead of being connected to a shaft to a turbine, are connected to a pulley that has an engine belt on it. Neat. And so that's why, like I said, a, a, a supercharger's performance is absolute. If the engine's turning, the supercharger is producing work. A turbocharger's performance, it, it has a fluid coupling to the turbine. So now, the uh, engine's running at idle, turbo ain't doing crap because the velocity is not high enough to spin that turbine. Okay, so so hold up. So now I, this is something that's gone away in modern times. It was a big deal, especially if we're talking about goat level Senna stuff here. Turbo sure. lag. Yes. Mm-hmm. So supercharged doesn't have lag. Correct. Turbo does. Because Turbo right. did, but doesn't anymore per se. No, that's not true. All turbos well, have yep. lag. Yep. Okay. It's inherent. Yes. Okay. Okay. Because as John was explaining, as John was explaining earlier, uh, at the off the line, there is no uh, exhaust gas flowing through the engine through the uh, through the turbo wheel. Uh, because the engine's not moving, and so it needs to sort of use some of its own power, the engine, to produce that exhaust gas to pull it through the, to push it through the, the turbo, and thus creating that spool. So right. then, how have they reduced turbo lag compared to the 1980s? Okay, and your Group Bs and your F1s versus modern turbos, which it feels like almost every car now has a turbo to some degree. All right, so mm-hmm. think think about it this way, Ryan. So remember when you were a kid and you had a little pinwheel and you blew on the pinwheel and it spun? Oh, yeah. I love that. My right. daughter loves that now, too. That's literally what's happening to the turbine. Okay. Okay. The blowing is the exhaust and the pinwheel is the turbine. Okay. Cool. Now, I want you, your little six-year-old self, blown on a pinwheel to go yeah. up to one of those 100-foot wind propellers and blow on that. Is it going to move? <laughs> No, those ones are no, those are huge. Right. So that's a big turbocharger versus a small turbocharger. A turbocharger, okay. every turbine needs a certain amount of mass flow in order to move. Gotcha. Okay. And I mean like <clears throat> if and you're that's talking your RPMs, about then? So what? Is it, so basically if you were looking at your like normal everyday car, 
this the 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 it's a pinwheel that's much smaller versus your race cars are going to have a larger need of exhaust and so yeah having higher rpm generally speaking yeah. basically helps push that yeah so there's a couple there's a couple factors at play like i mean like there's different manufacturers that apply and configure turbos in different ways to yep. you know benefits to pros and cons so such as single single turbo single turbos twin turbos sequential versus parallel well i think that vgt turbos twin scrolls like we could go down the man rabbit I'm, hole. you're losing me yeah that's what i'm saying so this that's, rabbit hole that's a rabbit hole but i think what's simpler to understand is if you're talking about you know what a lot of people consider the golden age of f1 and the turbo years right versus like today so there's a few things at play like there's different technologies like old turbos are what's called a journal bearing. And that's literally a metal shaft riding on a brass thrust bearing, right? But that's metal on metal contact, just one metal slicker than the other. And there's an oil film between them. Interesting. Right. And that reduces friction. But nowadays, almost all turbos are ball bearings, huh. right? So the same thing is in your skateboard wheels. So that reduces friction. So when six-year-old Ryan tries to blow on this gigantic wind turbine, if there's no friction, maybe he gets it to move. So that's maybe a I thing. would. So typically ball bearing turbos are good for like 500 RPM of spool faster than a journal bearing turbo. Um, back in the day, they had turbine wheels that were made out of ceramic. Ceramic tends to break because it's brittle, but yep. they were very lightweight. Uh... So they would spool up faster than a metal but their service so, life would so be what I, what I, right, what quite sure. Is that if the big giant wind turbines of the Midwest didn't have friction, six-year-old Ryan could power America. If you take if you take nothing away from <laughs> with, this conversation, yeah. take with the that. ball bearing wind pass. <laughs> so, so what I'm getting at is what has happened over time. Uh, turbo compressors and, and and turbines have become more aerodynamic. Okay. Right, which means they more effectively use the air that goes by them. They've become lighter weight, which means they take less mass flow to begin spinning, and they've reduced the friction, which means it takes less work that gets wasted to spin them. So that's a lot of what goes into that. And then the other thing, the other big thing in your F1 example, yes, in F1, in that period, like they were on the limit of what like thermodynamics and engines and what humans can do and that's handle yeah and that's why there's this huge disparity between guys like you know andretti and Cena and, and, and these guys because they were aliens um because those <laughs> but those oh, don't forget prost <laughs> yeah yeah but th those f1 cars had extremely tiny power bands because they were chasing power right yeah. And they were getting these tiny engines up into like 1,500 horsepower range. And, and you're talking a power band of two, 3,000 RPM. So like if you Eight, miss 8,000 RPM to 11,000 RPM. Yeah, that's a very high, very tiny power band. And so the engine was only making power very shortly. And if you braked too hard and maybe fell below your ideal engine speed in a corner and then the car came on the turbo spooled yeah. because the, the, the turbo is so large relative to the engine um, when it's, it, it wouldn't spool. And then when it did, boom, it all hit at once. And that's why those cars were so, so dangerous. 
basically Senna's tap dancing style of racing that nobody else had. The Brazilian tap dancing sort of on the pedal style really worked well in that era of turbo versus nowadays. Yeah. Versus nowadays, the turbo is so much more keyed in because we had, had 20 years of development where you have your Lewis Hamilton's, and more importantly, your Verstappen's, who's going to win the world championship this year, can can really hone in, and it's tuned way better. If we wanted to get back to the conversation of Japanese tuning, that Lenny's car apparently needs to be Americanized. Sorry for that loss. Uh, Only because of America's inferior race standard of uh, fuel standards. Uh, yes, both of those are true. Uh, so basically. Uh, that's kind of what it is. That's, so that's what I'm talking about, where it's like, you know, turbo has come a long way in 20 years. And supercharged seems to be a very niche, almost American concept where you have it, a different belt, basically, yeah. to, to power the fan before, even though the air basically, because your, your turbo, you get the air on the exhaust of the four stroke, but then it comes back into the intake of the stroke. Well, the, so it's, that air, right? stop, d- just to be sure you're not recycling air that air leaves after it spins the turbine because it's useless it's 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 poison exhaust so where does the turbine power so how does the turbine power then make your car go faster it's on a shaft and it spins the compressor then that air goes through a different pipe yeah so the the compressor sucks air in and it pressurizes it so it's the, so that air is spinned up and compressed, but then doesn't that go back into the intake? Well, that's not back in. That's new air. That's intake air. They're, the turbine right. and the compressor section are completely separate from each other. So the turbo is just speeding up the new fresh intake air. Right. The, the turbine gets spun by exhaust gas. That turbine is connected. Oh, it's connected okay. to a shaft that goes to a compressor wheel. So when the turbine spins, the compressor spins. Gotcha. So basically, are, yeah, the the turbo is com- is taking the the turbo heat is essentially making the fan spin, and that is compressing the new intake air. Well, that yeah, that's spinning the new fan in front, and that fan on the outside sucks air in, and on the output it shoots out compressed air. So what I've learned from this more than anything is enjoy the ride. Sturgis, <laughs> Sturgis people will enjoy your mess up your Wi-Fi, but like cars are complicated. I mean, that is such a very can complicated. Be a bit. Yeah, I mean, and we haven't even gotten into. I alluded to it earlier, but we haven't even gotten into uh, cooling this air because once you compress air, it's very hot. So yeah, now you oh, have yeah, to you got cool water, air. water cooled, oil cooled. So yep. basically, we're air not gonna cooled, li- water cooled. Yes. We're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep the pedal to the ground here. We're we're not gonna lift because zero lift, guys. All right, we're gonna we're gonna keep this trend of uh, naming our podcast within the session going because it's just <laughs> that type of nice. works. So, so if you didn't forget our name, it's zero lift. But basically, we've got lots of rabbit holes we can go down in future episodes. So make sure to subscribe and let us know what you think about this. Shameless plug. I'm not going to do the YouTube thing and say, like, hit this comment, all that jazz. But just look, keep it subscribed. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, you know, y'all, look, anybody listening to this is the age group. We all know the, we all know the trope and the memes of, of current content creators. Do the things. If we suck, let us know. If we rock, let us know. Now, yeah, before all this, that, I'm kind of yes. zapped on all this science talk. You guys want to have some fun? No, that's what yes. I'm saying. 
That's what I'm saying. If it, like, let's talk about sucking. Last week, if you haven't listened to the episode, go check it out. Lenny and I completely dropped the ball. So let's have some fun and guess redemption that right here. Car. Let's do this. Let's right. play guess that car. I thought this section. I thought this section was supposed to be what I wish I was driving. Oh, I'm it is what I wish I was driving. All right. Yeah, guess that, best. Guess that car has more of like a reminds me of sitting at home sick and watching. Uh, uh, the, the price the, is right. The price is right. Yeah, like guess that car. God, so like, good. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I what what you wish everybody you were driving. skipped school and watched the Price is Right. Absolutely. 100%. So like I'm saying, guess that car has a better price. <laughs> price is Right has a has a better. Uh, yeah, I I I like what I wish I was good. driving. So do I. But like, right. guess Look, that I car. Look, we won't belabor this point. So here's what's going on. Let's roll. I was gonna toss you guys a softball day. And then you literally said the name of the car that I guessed. I was going to give you the McLaren F1. Uh, so I was like, well, <laughs> oh, can't do that anymore. What have I done? What have I done? Can't right. do that anymore. So we're not doing the okay. McLaren. So that's hint okay. number one. Hint number two is this is a car that is very near and dear to my heart for no particular reason. Uh, your hints are awful, John. You're yeah, really well, it's around. supposed to be a game. So anyway, yeah, all right. with Ryan, that, you, you knock it out. Oh, and also, taking... also no generation on this car. Just guess the no car. No gen, just guess the car. And then how many – have we established yet how long until Lenny and I can talk to each other? Do you guys want to do that rule or do you want to scrap it for now? We can scrap it for now. All right, okay. let's scrap it. Let's scrap it. It's more entertaining if we can talk amongst ourselves if we get verklempt. All right. All right. For newbies, let's start off. we got 20 questions. The 20th question has to be the guess. They can't guess the car before the 20th question. Well, they can, but if they get it wrong, they lose. We have 19 other questions, yes or no questions, to ask me to narrow down what car I am thinking of. I still say we should get 20 questions and then I guess. But no, anyways. that's not how this works. Sure. And All with right. that, this is 19 questions and I guess instead of 20 questions. Proceed. Is it a Porsche? Is it a Porsche? No. Wow. Wow. Okay. No Porsche. Okay. Porsche. Is is this car European? Is it Euro? Yes. Perfect. That narrows it down a little bit. Yo. Is it a BMW? Is it a BMW? Ballpark nah. the countries here, Lenny. Lenny, Lenny. Ballpark I'm, countries. I'm ballparking it here. Look, 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 look. All right. Is it German? Is it German? Nah. Look, well, I, I, mean... just kneel, I just knocked off both of your questions in one question. Come on, <laughs> Jesus. Okay. All right. Okay. Fine. What you got? Come on, Lenny. Watch Wait, you're gonna you're gonna criticize me and then not have a question? Look, you guys, you guys I just know asked it's... if it was German. It's not German or BMW or Porsche, which means it's not German. It's European. Is it British? Is it British? No, that's fine. That that was an awful British accent there, but I'm doing a wee bit of Irish. All right, so no British. Uh, let's not do accents. We'll just make fool of ourselves. Or we, All right, so not British. Or we do French. do accents. Is it Wait, French? No. Do you want to ask French. that? Hold on. No. You guys are arguing. Tell me if that's a question or not. It's a question. I, I'll accept that as a question. Is it French? French? No. No, okay. So is it Italian? Is it Italiano? Yes. That's what I thought. All right. Do, should we go with... Uh, do we want to ask the question? Is it a Ferrari? Ferrari! Ferrari! God, it's so much fun to say. Yes, oh, it is indeed a Fezza. 
Oh, Ferrari. well, I think it's a Ferrari 430. No, don't oh, geez, narrow it down. Narrow it down by numbers. You, you I'm, t- I'm just telling you, Ryan. I think I think it's a it's an F430. Why? Because it's near and dear to his heart. I mean, it's it, Italian. Okay, John. First off, John is Italian, so all Ferraris are near and dear to his heart. Let's be honest. There's some truth to that statement. So we could say it's an F40. That's near and dear to his heart. Like, come on. Yeah, like, but like, that'd be like too. Come on, cliche, every Ferrari, right? Like everybody right. says, the F40 is everybody's no, favorite yeah. Ferrari. Okay. When but really like, the F50 is, you know, arguably the better one. But, you know, that's the sure. difference. So let's narrow it down by numbers here. Because are there okay. any Ferraris? Okay. Lenny, are there any Ferraris that are not numbers? Uh, there are quite a few. There's the California. Perfect. Hey, John, is this Ferrari got a number assigned to it? There is a number in the name of this Ferrari. Perfect. There we go. See, Lenny, this is, we're working together here. Teamwork, buddy. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Yeah, for, I'm off doing Ryan, my own thing. Ryan's on a work back path in. today. <laughs> yeah, reel back in. I'm reeling back in. I'm reeling back in. Okay, okay. So now we got Ferrari numbers. So now there's lots of Ferrari numbers because yes, the F50 is probably better than the F40, but arguably a lot of that era was not drivable. It just looked great. So what? Um, what? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm holding my tongue so much right now. Perfect. This is there's quite a few. There's quite a few Ferraris that have the GTO nameplate or moniker attached to it but that's doesn't really uh narrow it down quite a bit because that spans like decades yes okay uh, so, do we show it does, start guessing does, does well does john sir does or does the number start with a five number of this of this five. associated Ferrari. Hold on, just for future reference. When you say that, do you mean does the model name start or does the numbered portion of the name? You understand what I'm saying? The modeled portion of the name. The numbered portion of the name start with a five. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, that kind of eliminates the five twelve Testarossa, the five fifty. Also, I just want to make a side note here. I also want to make a side note here. I just want to make a side note. We had, uh, as all three of us being veterans here, we just had an officer call an enlisted member sir, which is hilarious to me because uh, that's that's just hilarious. I'm gonna need you to <laughs> get support up your off veterans. That. I'm gonna need you to get support up off veterans. that. I don't know, all right, we're at ten. We're at yeah. ten. Correct. We know Halfway. The five twelve uh, Testarossa or uh, the F fifty. Should we ask because if it comes that, in the color red? I feel like that's a good claim. <laughs> well, I mean, every. every. <laughs> well, even my daughter, who's four, says, uh, pick the red car, which is hilarious to me. Uh, either red or yellow. Those are her two favorite color colors. Is this Ferrari front engine or rear engine, John? Uh, you can't Ooh. ask that. She has her no questions. She has her no questions. Uh, is this a front engine Ferrari? Front engine no. How many front engine Ferraris are there? That can't be that many. Quite a bit. Really? Aren't they most mm-hmm. most of the mid engines? I mean, yeah, most of them, but there's that been is, a few. For... That is a modern stereotype. Okay, okay. So, but there's lots of generations or non-specific generation. That was our hint, right? And it, besides it being very near and dear. I, I just said you don't have to guess the generation. I never said uh, anything else about I, that. Right, but that would mean there's multiple generations. So it's got to be... Uh, Older-ish car. Should we should we guess a decade here? Maybe like the nineties or the eighties here, Lenny. Yeah, go ahead, shoot. Hmm. Is this Ferrari 
from the 90s. 90s? No. Ooh. And I will specify I'm talking introduction date, not necessarily if production extended to the 90s. Well, because, yeah, yeah, because basically that would mean that uh, it didn't exist at all in the 90s. Is that did what you're the saying? production of this Ferrari extend into the 90s? Did it extend into the 90s? Yes. Does that help? Okay, so it didn't go that past That does the 90s? help quite a bit because there's okay. only select model models yeah. that. Uh... Oh, okay, so that kind of narrows it down. It can't be the 512 Testarossa because we've already eliminated that with my specific question on whether or not the. So we're so looking at a basically in the naming of the of the model, pre, which pre-90s. I hope John didn't red herring me again. Nope. So pre, okay. pre, I think I think I think we're doing better this week than last week. All right, so <laughs> so pre so pre nineties induction Ferrari that doesn't have a model number starting in five that extended into the nineties, but still extended the nineties, but did it extend past the nineties? Uh, is there any Ferraris that existed for that? Ferraris no. Okay. Because usually they're like in like 20 year windows, aren't they? Mm. It's different. Uh, shorter. I mean, yeah. They kind of bring it back. Retire. Or, I don't know. Um, it's probably, it's okay. probably, the, it's probably, so it's probably in the 80s. It's, is, it's be was, this, was this Ferrari introduced in the 80s, John? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, that narrows it down quite a bit. So that's only like what three models? I mean, Ferrari doesn't Ferrari doesn't put up that many models, all things considered. Although the eighties were like their heydays. I will say that you guys don't know anything specific about this car yet. Hmm. We're getting to that. Okay, so eighties. How many models were created in the eighties for the Ferrari? There, Lenny. Oh, I don't know. I'm not a a Tafusi. Uh what does that even mean, by the way? Because it's like mentioned all the time. Because they're like the hardcore fans when you go to Monza and stuff. Yeah, they're just hardcore. What does Defusi translate to? I don't know. Let's ask our resident Italian here. Uh, yeah, what... I actually. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Come on, John. Would you guys get back to guessing the car? <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's guess the car. Um. Man, it kind of it, it could just be really cliche and be the F40. But he said we don't know anything specific. So what's the F40's engine type? Is that a rear wheel drive, mid wheel? What what are we looking at here? What's it? What, it's rear wheel, rear engine, twin turbo V8. Okay, so uh, John, is this car have a V8? V8, yes. That's fifteen. Yes, it is. So, you want to know something funny about Tafusi? Yeah. Uh, it means someone that fervently supports a sports team, and the etymology of the word comes from someone that was infected by typhus. Oh, wow. <laughs> How very Roman of you. <laughs> because John has access to Google, whereas we do not have them. Correct. Okay, also, we're 15, and you shouldn't you give us another hint at this point? No. You don't get any hints. You get hints because I'm a nice guy. You gave us a hint last time when we were totally off the chain with the red herring of Bond villains. Correct. Like... Bullshit. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh... 
V8 Ferrari introduced in the eighties. I am. I am. I have no. I'm not of any help here. I'm. <laughs> like I'm just not. I can, I can tell. Like, I, 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 well, I can. I, I can. I can broad stroke narrow us down. You wasted three questions on asking if it was a Porsche and a BMW instead of just asking if it was a German car. Can but you guys stop <laughs> bickering like an old married couple and just get. This back. is this is what okay. makes it good, John. You could give us a you could give us a hint, but you're over okay. there being. Well, you guys just want hand ass. Hey, we're fifty. We're Americans. Okay, now keep going. All right, let's see here. Back on uh, millennials. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I got a job. I pay taxes, so uh, don't judge me. Uh, uh, I don't think the 328 GTO made it out of the 80s. What would be near and dear to John, though? What's something that's kind of odd and awkward for For no particular reason? Yeah, John's weird, so he likes weird oh, cars. Fuck, the Ferris Bueller Ferrari was oh. too old. Way too old. No, that's 80s. No, that's it's 80s. not. No, False. It's not. It was an 80s movie. And also, that was like not a. It's Ferrari. not an 80s Ferrari. Mm. 80s Ferraris. <sighs> How do we narrow our sound more? We know it's a V8. How many were all Ferraris V8s? What was Magnum PI's uh, Ferrari? It was a Testarossa. Nope. So it can't be that. Magnum PI's oh, PI Ferrari was not a Testarossa. Wait, I, I got a question that this may or may not help. Was it a convertible? No. Okay. Hard top only. Hard top only. There, there's your extra friggin' hint. <laughs> Weak <laughs> hint, but okay. Oh, man. Uh, I'm kind of going to circle back around to this F40 here, Ryan. Ah, I don't think it's the F40. That's too obvious for John. It was introduced in 89. How do you know? Built this? into 92. Could be. No. Is there a number? Is there another number we could try to. <laughs> and you don't think it's the Testarossa? Well, I know. We've already eliminated this because. Yeah. Uh, the Testarossa's in the in the naming of the model the Testarossa is five twelve, and I've said, Correct. I asked John if uh, uh, there's a five. Okay, so then what? Which other eliminated Ferraris? quite a bit of quite a bit of Ferraris, which is kind of also the Testarossa did not have a V eight. Okay, but the the F forty has a V eight. Does. Okay, I feel like this this game in general is just more strain on Lenny's brain than me because I have no idea. <laughs> well, get your weight up, sucker. Well, I mean, like, okay, my so pack's like, getting heavy, man. Shit. There's, there's only there's only so many cards I can play in in the sim, and like this this is kind of learn a car, pick the car, and then I go study. Like, I I, I went and studied the uh, E class Jaguar after uh, last week's episode. So, I'm all right, all right. What about so? What about, can I, pick a number? Man, I don't really know a lot of eighties. You just ask questions and narrow it down, sucker. We only have so many questions, though, man. You got three questions and a guess. Is uh, there is there GTO in its model naming? The word or letters GTO does not occur in the name of this car. Okay. What about? What about, does this car have the number three in its name? Does this car have the number three in its name? No. Man, I don't know. 
Should we One just question. Guess should we just guess. guess? Should we just guess the F forty and get punked here, Lenny? Yeah, one question and a guess. Hold on, there could be. <sighs> guys, guys, think of the meta. What did we talk about today? We talked about the F one McLaren, and I shouldn't have said no, that because that's not we the meta. What did we talk about today? Turbos. And what got you into racing slash cars? Correct. That's what we talked okay. about today. So the important part here is we got you into cars. And what no, you talked about a, no. a Ford show. Uh, What's the meta? What did we talk about today? Aspiration. Correct. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. So does this, but okay, but does this car have a turbo or not? Does not really narrow it down, I don't think, for Lenny's mindset. So what aspiration question could you ask today, Lenny, to narrow down what Ferrari this is? I don't know. I'm just really ready to shoot shoot this F40 in the face. Well, does an F40 have a turbo? I just, yeah, it's got twin turbo. It's twin turbo. Car. All right. All right. Does this car have a turbo, John? Is this car turbocharged? Yes, it is. All right. Lenny, let, just go for it. Let's sh- shoot shot. Let's go for it. John, let's is go. this car a Ferrari F40? Is this car the Ferrari F40 on question number 20? Congratulations, gentlemen. It is. In fact, the Ferrari F40, the greatest car ever made. Dramatically better than an F50 for the record. I held my tongue way, (laughs) way too long on that. Uh, It's a matter of opinion, but you know. It was not a 328. It was not a 328 GTO. It was a 288 GTO, by the way. Uh, 288 GTO. Sorry. And the 288 GTO was very similar to the F40 mechanically, and they were the first production cars Ferrari made that were turbocharged. And until recent years, I think the only. So the turbocharger would have been a huge hint. Wow. Hmm. So, so big thing. I actually recently playing my sim. Uh, just got an F40 Ferrari and uh, was super hype about it. And this is why I do dailies on my sim racing, and which keeps me going back to the meta and racing every single day and keeping it. No Get lift. Those F1 deltas down there. No lift. No lift, or another name for zero the lift. Is Ryan, zero lift. The F40 is the single greatest car ever produced, and I don't think any car will ever come close to its godlikeness. I, I mean, it's, it's, in a, it's in a class of car, right? And so, like, the Porsche GT1 is really good. What about the 911? Right? Well, what about the 911? Well, 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 in hey, that class of, like, Hold the on. trio of F1, the F40, and then there's the Porsche GT1. Let's talk about... There's just there's, there's nothing like an F40. Okay. There's nothing. So here's the then the Mercedes CLK GTR. Those are you know? stupid, in my opinion. <laughs> Then the oh, Maserati MC12. The but, only thing that compares with an F40 is a McLaren F1, and that's why I le- went to it. What about a Lamborghini right Diablo? After. What about a Lamborghini Diablo? Cars. What about oh, a Lamborghini Diablo? It's a different okay. kind. It's a different kind. It's a different kind of, of experience. Right. An F40 would, would go to a Lamborghini Diablo's house and copulate with his girlfriend while he watched and cried and couldn't do anything about it. And so what I'm it. understanding is is that. <laughs> Next week on Zero Lift, we're going to talk about top-tier cars. <laughs> oh, gosh. Get your popcorn ready. Of Absolutely. which the F40 is God Emperor. So we'll talk more about It's it. really a matter of debate. Like, really, it's honestly, not. It's really not. It's a matter of debate at this topic because Lenny says it. I, I need to know why as the noob. Lenny disagrees as an expert. John says it definitely is an expert. So you guys have been tuned into Zero Lift. 
Lenny, what do you got before we head out here? Nothing. Keep it Excellent. pinned. Keep I read it pinned. John, what do you got? Remember the F40! Remember the <laughs> F40, remember the LMO, and remember everybody, keep it pinned. This is Zero Lift. We'll see you next week. <laughs>